0: Megan.
1: I'm Colin. And this is
0: Pet, pet Sitter, sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Hello. Welcome to episode 215. Hello. <laughs> Thank you to our sponsor, Pet Sitters Associates, and our amazing Patreon members like Jennifer and Teresa. Thank you so much for supporting us every month, getting giving us awesome topic ideas and suggestions. And helping to produce the show. We appreciate it.
1: Yeah, if you want to learn more about that and what it means and everything that comes along with it, go to PetSitterConfessional.com forward slash support.
0: We've covered a lot of different topics in our 214 episodes, but one we haven't really talked about is the finances side of being a pet sitter or running a business. And so we read a book recently called Profit First by Mike uh, did
1: I, Yes, yes. Did I, think I that, say that right? Probably not. Uh, why, <laughs> but why did we read this? Um, yeah, we haven't covered a lot of finance topics. And this book is basically on every single list for books if you're a business owner or an entrepreneur. But like most of the books that are on that list, we've never read it.
0: Well, and so the opportunity actually presented itself because, as you may know, I'm a bookkeeper as well. And my the company that I work for, for bookkeeping, was actually giving these out. And so I thought, hey, it had been on our list for a long time. So many people recommend this, and I might as well read it. So we dove into it, and what did we think?
1: I'm not really a business book kind of person. I like to read, but I also like to listen to podcasts and short blogs. And I've never actually really spent a lot of time reading a businessy book. So this whole experience was quite new for me. So I came at it a little hesitantly, not knowing exactly what to expect, but I do enjoy Mike's writing style. He made it easy to digest and the overall, the book is pretty well straightforward.
0: Yeah, it made it pretty simple to digest and easy to understand, especially as a solopreneur, soon to not be solopreneur, but it, it made sense that you would take your profit first. We don't have a whole lot of expenses and so we just pay ourselves whatever is left over after our expenses. He does give case studies in his book, and I know that's a style of a lot of authors to kind of give credibility to what they're saying, but I'm always kind of a little leery of those because obviously they're going to rant and rave about the book, but I still think that they were helpful in saying, okay, this business owner implemented it this way in their business.
1: I think that's exactly my hesitation for reading these kind of books, is I tend to read them very skeptically because of these one-off, because of these examples that they give that are obviously going to show them in the best light. But I think overall, as you said, the foundations of this are are pretty sound, and it's pretty straightforward. So what is profit first? Without just reading verbatim from his book, basically, it's an envelope system designed to... I don't know what an envelope is. Envelope, write us. Do you say envelope or envelope? This is an
0: ongoing debate in our household.
1: Ten years with this, we need to we need to settle this. If you say envelope, let us know. If you say envelope, also let us know. But
0: envelope begins with an E, so
1: anyway, it's an (laughs) (laughs) envelope. It's an envelope system designed to help you manage money in your business. You basically create these envelopes, these these buckets of money, and you put money in them. And then you only spend what's in those first. The twist here is, is that you always put money in the envelope labeled profit. Get it? Profit first. So you're immediately profitable. So as an example... If $100 comes in, you would have different percentages that you'd break this out. So 5% would go into profit, 50% towards what you'd pay yourself. You'd set aside 15% for taxes, and 30% for expenses, or Whatever the percentages are for you, and we will definitely talk about that here in a little bit,
0: and so you do that for every single deposit that comes in, and I think he recommends doing it on the fifteenth and the twenty fifth of every month. You sitting down and going, "Hey, okay, so this is what has come in, and they're already going into these buckets, this percentage for each thing,
1: yeah, and immediately this is trying that is trying to break the the habit of every day checking your bank account and frantically trying to move money around. I know that's how I tend to operate, log in, see how much money is in there, and panic because either there's not enough or maybe there's a large amount sitting in there and I've got to figure out what to do. But setting it to twice a month where basically you put it all into these envelopes and then that way you know what's there and it's really quick and easy to check and you're not frantically always moving money around.
0: So this book is really about breaking the bad habits with how we view money and to get off of the feast and famine cycle that many of us are on. A big question we had when reading this book was, what is the difference between profit and owner's compensation? So the owner's compensation side is linked to your living expenses and needs. So you do need a personal budget set up before all of this. And hopefully you're already doing maybe a monthly budget it's very helpful to know what's coming in, what's going out, what you need to set aside for taxes because we all have to pay of those. And so, for example, you need $30,000 a year to live. That covers your minimum expenses for rent, food, insurance, whatever. And so 30000 a year to live, you personally and your business makes $45,000 a year. So that leaves $15,000 to pay for taxes, operating expenses, and so then you have a profit.
1: So who is this book for? Well, we would basically say that this book is for anyone dealing with problems or troubles with cash flow, budgeting, and understanding if their business is healthy. It's really not for a solopreneur, and that's For one big reason, and it's because expenses are so low. Time and time again... As
0: in so low. So
1: low. Not Not so so low. low. But Okay. (laughs) This is a fun (laughs) episode on semantics. Um, (laughs) Because expenses are so minimal as a solopreneur, this system doesn't really fall apart but it's hard to fit it in. And that's because during the book he hammers over time and time again the need to control expenses and the need to really make sure you understand where all of your money is going. As a solopreneur, your expenses for your actual business, what you're spending, what your business is spending to operate, is going to be relatively low.
0: Yeah, especially in dog walking, a service industry, you don't have to spend a lot of money to make money. You probably need a first aid kit, a couple of leashes, insurance, some water bowls to take with you on hikes and other incremental things.
1: Yeah, but he's trying to get across that if you're a million dollar company and you're spending $900,000 a year in expenses, that that's not actually healthy. So it's a little hard to relate his examples To a solopreneur dog walking company. He does have this quote that says, Colossal growth without financial health will still kill your company. And I think that that is very important for us as we begin to think about all the growth that we are experiencing right now with a boom in clients, that there are pitfalls to trying to grow too quickly when we don't understand our finances or how we're spending our money. Whether we're big or small, it's still important to know where we spend our money.
0: And so instead, this book takes a crack at combating really the Achilles tendon for most of us, which is not paying ourselves enough. Of course, you would like to be paid more. I think we all would.
1: <laughs> so what did we like about this book in the system? Well, as we alluded to earlier, it's really easy. And I think that may be, at least for us, we kind of latched onto it, made sense to us early because we've used Dave Ramsey's envelope system in the past and think it's a great way to control your money. If you've never used Dave Ramsey's system or know what the envelope system is, basically you take $100 and you have envelopes, Get This is going to sound really familiar, and you put money in those to spend on different things, and then you only spend what's in the envelope, and then if you need to go over whatever, you just don't spend that.
0: Well, in a lot of days, Ramsey's system is like physical envelopes. You physically put cash into an envelope, whereas... The profit-first model, obviously, you're dealing with a business, so you're dealing with thousands and thousands of dollars, sometimes millions of dollars, depending on what your business is, and so you're using it digitally there.
1: Right. Well, this overall is a very powerful system of you telling your money where to go and what to do. Versus waking up and wondering where it all went.
0: Yeah, every dollar has a name, I think he says.
1: Well, and also like Dave Ramsey, uh, the Mike, I'm not even going to attempt his last name, has an entire chapter dedicated to getting rid of as much debt in your business as possible. So like we discussed in our episode on bootstrapping your business, debt, when handled poorly and overdone, will crush any and all gains that you're making in your business. And you won't actually be making as much progress as you think and could be putting yourself in harm. He
0: has another great quote in there that says, your business is supposed to serve you. You are not in service to your business, which goes into this other quote of don't underpay your most important employee. You should be making money from your business. And obviously, like we said, dog walking doesn't require that much expense unless you have a team of people. Either way, you need to be paying yourself what you are worth. And if you are solo, paying yourself what you would be paying somebody else. Don't feel bad for making money and having an amazing business that supports you. That's awesome. That's what we got into this business for. Obviously, the awesome and cute puppies and kitties, but also financial freedom. That's why we're in business.
1: We also like how intuitive and natural this system is. Anytime we can limit the number of Excel spreadsheets uh, that we have to deal with on a daily basis is always a win. The system is pretty easy and straightforward to set up and operate and maintain, which means that it's going to be something that you're going to be able to continue with. That's not going to be taking up and eating up a lot of your time to be doing number crunching and constantly having to stay on top of. I will say he also does have a few segments in here about setting money aside in business and why it's so critical. Now, this book was written well before the pandemic, but he mentions a really interesting rule of thumb for savings and business expenses. So he has this segment where he talks about that if sales were to stop completely and that you didn't have a single deposit coming in, does this feel familiar? Uh, That if you had a 5% profit allocation, that would be three weeks of operating cash. If you had 12% allocated, that'd be two months. 24% profit allocation would be five months of operating cash for your business. Meaning that when we start putting money into profit, it acts as a savings account for the business where we can pull from in times of an emergency. And we're not talking about huge amounts here. We're talking about building up little by little over time. And that was another key thing that we really appreciated about the book was its idea of longevity and not just trying to do an instant fix in a business, but slowly working these muscles for your business to kind of rewire our brains, our behavior, and making the business healthier over time as we begin to operate differently to be more profitable and running the business the way we want to.
0: An expense that you will definitely have to factor into this process is insurance. And as pet care professionals, your clients trust you to care for their furry family members. Pet Sitters Associates is here to help. For over 20 years, they've provided thousands of members with quality pet care insurance. If you work in the pet care industry or want to make your passion for pets into a profession, you can take your career to the next level with flexible coverage options, client connections, and complete freedom in running your business. Learn why PetSitter's Associates is the perfect fit for you and get a free quote today at PetSitterLLC.com. And you can even get a discount when joining by clicking Membership Petsitter Confessional and using the discount code CONFESSIONAL at checkout to get $10 off today. Check out the benefits of membership and insurance once again at PetSitterLLC.com.
1: Some things that we didn't like. Uh, I, for one, felt like that this was really too much of a cookie cutter cure, that it wasn't exactly relatable to us, like I mentioned earlier. So there are two things. One, we're not operating, most of us are not operating these massive multi-million dollar companies with tons and tons and tons of expenses. So all of his examples are like, you are a business and you brought in $1.2 million. And I'm reading this going, I am a business and I did not bring in 1.2 million dollars. So the the numbers kind of hard hard to make sense. And then again, because we have so few actual expenses, we may get profitable pretty easily as long as we have enough business coming in.
0: Well, and that's because, again, we're solopreneurs. Once we get staff, once we get employees and workers' comp and extra insurance and all that sort of stuff, our expenses will go up. And so then we can really use this tool to gauge, is our business profitable?
1: Well, and he does define profitable as money that is above and beyond what you need to pay your personal bills and the business expenses. The actual problem for a lot of us And it's the one that he tells us to avoid is that we are all mostly seeking growth and getting more clients. He says, putting your nose to the grindstone is a really easy way to cover up for an unhealthy business. We think if we can just work harder, longer or better, if we can just hold out, something good will happen one day. And this is really true whenever you have a lot of expenses, that if you can just out-earn those, you'll outgrow and you will quickly be able to pay those bills. But in a service-based industry where expenses are so insanely low, what else do you have without needing to get more clients? And really, this falls back on a topic that we always have touched on for at least for a long time here is pricing
0: that's a good point. I mean, if you're working all the time and you have zero expenses, which some of us do, and you still feel like you aren't making anything, raise your prices. You should not be charging $15 to board a dog. You should not be charging $8 for a 60-minute dog walk. Like You need to be raising your prices so that you can live off of what you're making.
1: And he describes this thing called a survival trap, where as a business, we get stuck in this cycle of trying to just keep the business afloat. And as part of that, he says, when we're stuck in the survival trap, we focus our attention on revenue generation first and foremost. Any client who pays is a good client, and any work that makes money is good work. And that should really hit home for you, because I know it did for us in, in pet care here. Uh, we see this kind of sentiment all the time. People taking on everyone, any client that possibly needs their service, and yet they, the business owner, is still not making money and is growing beyond their means.
0: I agree. Any work is good work is not true because that's why we have boundaries. That's why we have contracts that clients sign. That's why we have business hours that we operate. And when we are away from our phones and our computers and just being with ourselves and having fun doing the things that we want to be doing. He also said, quote, you must figure out the things that make profit and dump the things that don't. And this includes services or expenses that don't serve you. If you don't like charging an extra fee to accommodate a client that's four hours late, then don't. Just have a hard and fast rule. You have to pick up your dog by this time. Or no, I will not go get your dry cleaning or your coffee because you want me to. You can do those things, but if they are a burden to you, don't.
1: Or if they're not profitable for you, stop doing them. So an example of this may be, suddenly gas goes way up. That's something we've all experienced recently. And it's costing you an awful lot for the service radius that you've set or because of the number of clients that you have in there you find yourself constantly driving so previously it was fine and you were able to make that work because gas prices were low your service area was large and you were meeting the needs and demands and you were still profitable and making money but as soon as that changed driving a lot is now costing you a lot and that's not sustainable for you. Or it could be that you were just charging too little to begin with in the beginning and they thought that just by getting busier, that would solve the problem. Again, this this burnout that we're talking about here and this survival trap where if we could just be busier, if we could just earn more money, that would really be the the problem solver here. But if we're not earning enough on each visit, just having more of them really isn't going to solve the actual problem that we're concerned about is having our time and have it be valuable to us.
0: So there, pricing is really key. The concept of this book really fits more with those that have staff and a ton of expenses. But just an example, in the book, you'll do a rapid assessment to see if you are profitable. You'll input certain percentages based on a table that he gives you. You'll input your revenue from the past 12 months and work off of that. In our personal business, we strive very hard and are happy with our low overhead. However, according to this assessment that we took, we need to increase our expenses and decrease our take-home pay, which is interesting and a little confusing. I mean, there are caveats that he puts in there, but on the outset, the one-size-fits-all approach doesn't quite work. So then the question is, well, will we be doing profit first? And I think we're going to be giving it our best shot.
1: Yeah, I really think so. We're definitely going to try. Uh, We love the idea, and it goes in line with how we've been bootstrapping our business for the last 10 years. I think this method certainly gives us a lot more structure, at least. So how are we going to do this? Well, we bank with Novo. It's an online-only bank, and it actually allows for multiple envelope systems to place money in. So one of the problems that he says is that if you just have one bank account with one number on it, it's very easy to get lost and confused and be tempted to take money from one and put it in another. Well,
0: and I think especially once tax time comes around and you're either hit with a bill or hopefully you get money, but but you haven't separated that out. so you don't really ever see or spend that tax money. I think that's also a big point to this: is you need to be setting aside money for taxes, ideally in a separate account that you just put away and never touch, because <laughs> you're not getting like you're not going to be seeing that money ever again.
1: Yeah, that's part of it. Is the psychology behind this is that if we take little pieces away over time, those are going to build into a large piece, and if you see that, it will be very tempting to use that money for something else. So if you are putting 5-15% away for taxes every time you get paid, at the end of the year, that's going to be multiple thousands of dollars. So he recommends putting that, as you said, Megan, in a completely separate bank account, basically under lock and key. There's no debit card associated. There's no checks. There's no instant transfer. It's locked over here so we don't touch it. And in that way, we mentally forget about that money and we operate without it that's part of leaning our business and making us more structured so this the novo bank it's not as stringent of a system as he recommends but it's very workable and really important to here it's free and very little hassle the having multiple banks and multiple bank accounts within each one in the system that he aligns that, that he prescribes does seem quite excessive, but we can really see how doing that would be extremely beneficial if you're having to try and break bad habits or really get this idea of separate money and only working with what's left for you and your business. So Profit First is really a system that inverts the typical way that we think about running our business. We would say... A traditional way of thinking about it would be, my business makes $45,000 a year, then here are my $5,000 worth of expenses. That means I get $40,000 to me. The way Profit First does is it goes, my business makes $45,000. I need $30,000 to live. So that means I have $15,000 left over for everything else in my business. It's making sure that you get your cut first and so you're not trying to just live on the scraps of whatever's left. And what this will force you to do in your business is to cut out all of the expenses that aren't necessary. You'll get laser focused and going, you know what? Maybe I don't need all those subscriptions in my business. Or man, I'm wasting so much on gas or whatever it is in your business. Because when you see what you're left with, then that's really where you start understanding where your money is going and is part, again, of the psychological difference in setting up the system and the structure. That At the at its heart, Profit First is about changing the psychology of how we view business and what its purpose is.
0: Well, and to also make sure that your business is profitable, that you're not operating in the red every year, that say you went and bought $50,000 worth of leashes, but you only made $45,000 you would then know that you need to cut out some expenses.
1: And the great part is, is that you can be profitable in your business and make sure you are today by allocating 1% to profit. It's a m- number that you won't even miss or know that is, was ever there, but you will know that your business is at least 1% profitable. And then you slowly change that, slowly increase that over time as you work on your expenses, work on your living expenses, grow the business a little bit, and then these percentages change over and, and evolve over time so that your business is a lot healthier after one or three years of implementing this. You don't do everything all at once because that's a big shock to the system and to you.
0: And so this is really all about knowing your numbers, your financial numbers, and unless you're an accountant or a bookkeeper or you love number crunching, this probably isn't something that's necessarily in your foray, but it is something as a business owner that you need to know, especially if you're going to be bringing on staff or you already have staff. We know that there are thousands of businesses all across the nation and probably the world that use this system. And we would love to know if you have heard of this, if you implement it in your business and how it's worked for you, if you have. There's even a podcast by the author. Uh, I think it's Profit First Nation, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes. So obviously you love listening to podcasts. So if if you like his system, you can go listen to his podcast.
1: And we'll also have a link in the show notes to go and read the book and check it out if you're interested in that. I mean, we enjoyed reading it. It's a pretty quick, fast read. I would say that when you do it, have access to a laptop or some computer so that you can be working in some quick spreadsheets and just throwing some numbers down in there that will help you work through it quickly. But overall, it's a quick read and probably well worth your time.
0: Natasha is back this week to answer the question, how to be a great first time manager.
2: Yeah, the great thing about managing people is it really isn't even managing. I promise you guys, you're not doing what you think you're supposed to be doing. You're not holding their hands. You're not walking them to the bathroom. Your are managing is not, you know, babysitting. And I think that's where a lot of us misunderstand the difference. Managing is setting up a process and a system for people and showing them exactly where to go to find it. That's about as much management that I ever do in my business. People don't call me anymore. Why? Because I say, hey, listen, we have a work chat. Your question, I promise you, probably already been asked by multiple team members. Go ahead and put that in the work chat. Anybody can help you out right in there. So now I'm not managing anything. I'm managing technically, but I'm not saying anything except directing traffic. Hey, go to the work chat for that. Hey, go to our Google drive. I've actually made videos on all the things that you're ever going to need in this business. And for any reason that it's not in a video or you can't find it, go ahead and put it in the work chat. And I promised you within the next couple of days, we'll make a video for you. So every time something comes up, we go ahead and make it a process. We never let anything happen once. So managing is directing people on where to go to move forward. How many jobs have, uh, have you been in that you kn- you don't even know the owner? How many Fortune 500s or Corporate America jobs you're like, who's the owner? I don't know them, but I do know what to do when I come to work every day. When I come in at 9 o'clock, I know exactly what to do until I leave because it's been outlined for me. Mm-hmm. So that's all you do is let them go back to the outline and where to find it.
1: How do you in- how are you able to involve them in that process so that it continues to improve? So that you don't <laughs> remain just static or stuck.
2: Yeah, the great thing is when you do have a team, or even if you're if you've never hired before and you're doing it for the first time, bring somebody in and say, Hey Colin, this is you're actually my first hire and I'm super excited about it. I'm gonna start taking you through our process little by little, but things that you're noticing that you need or you may have questions on, please go ahead and write that down because I'm actually gonna make that the process. So, you know, more than anybody, the supplies that you need, the actions that you need to take in the morning or what you need to succeed for the rest of your day, go ahead and write that down because you can, we're going to make that a policy together. So your new hires actually start writing out the process for you because they know that it's fresh, right? Us who've been in the business for years, we're like, I forget what people need when they, when they first come in. It's hard to kind of remember. You're like, I do this every day. I, I kind of forgot. But a new person will be the best person to say, listen, this is the stuff that I need. These are the questions that I have. So now that becomes a training program.
1: If you'd like to work with Natasha and have her be your personal pet business coach, you can head on over to StartScaleSale.com. And when you're ready to work with her, use the code PSC20 for 15% off.
0: We're hoping to do more book reviews in the future. So if you have a business book or a pet care related book that you would like us to review specifically here on the podcast, feel free to to let us know about it, and we'd be happy to read and discuss.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening this week.
0: Thank you also to Pet Sitters Associates and our wonderful Patreon members, and we will see you next episode.